Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Share the Air. This is super exciting. We're doing a follow-up episode with a guest from earlier this year, Nova Polite. Nova, welcome back to Share the Air. Hello. It's good to be here on a special new kind of episode. I hope it goes well. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Um, so for folks who, who are, maybe this is your first episode hearing Nova, we definitely recommend that you go back and listen to episode 26 from earlier this year, where we sat down to talk to Nova about her experiences as a trans athlete in disc golf specifically. So getting to hear about another sport. Um, it's been a couple months since then. So we're inviting Nova back to hear about what's been going on with her, what's going on in the world of disc golf, because there has been a lot <laughs> this year, especially. So Nova, we're super excited to, to talk to you maybe just to kick things off. How are you? Any updates that you want to start this episode with? I'm sure we'll, we'll get into a lot, but if there's anything that you'd like to open up the episode with. All right. Thank you. Well, first off, I'm really glad to be back. It's gratifying that I wasn't just a one and done from the strange land of disc golf. Glad to come back. And I understand everything is really awesome over in Ultimate Land, and I'm very happy for y'all. But unfortunately, I come to bring bad news, and that is that disc golf can continues to step on rakes no matter which way the sport turns. It's been a comically tragic season so far, and all indications are that it's going to continue to be that, and I'm here to make jokes about it. Well, we appreciate both the, the comedy somehow in all of this, as well as the, the education. I'll do my best to actually be informative. I don't want to lean too far into the comedy shtick. Sounds good. Okay, so when we spoke <laughs> to you last, mm -hmm. uh, you had shared a little bit about some of the events that you were planning to do this year, as well as some of the uncertainty of whether you'd be able to participate in them oh, based yeah. on the rulings that were coming out from both the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So how has your personal playing gone? How has it been for you to participate these last couple months? Sure. Well, there's an interesting sort of social and legal split in disc golf. And I think it's also experienced in the, the wider community in that on an official level, if one reads the news of what the government is up to, or one reads the news of what a governing body of a sport is up to, especially when things are going poorly for trans people, it can seem like it's all doom and gloom. There were several hundred state bills you know, proposed and many passed this year, causing all sorts of legal inconveniences and problems for transgender people. And if one only reads that, then the news is terrifying. But then, you know, just for example, right across the state border from where I live in Kansas, there was a bathroom bill passed. And, you know, which means I have the dilemma of do I go into the women's bathroom and potentially get arrested or do I go into the men's bathroom and potentially get my ass kicked? Um, but, you know, I visit Kansas frequently and the people who actually live in Kansas who aren't the lawmakers, the people who I see at the quick trip at the gas station, etc., at the, the, the grocery store, at the convenience store, they don't care. It's super normal, and these sorts of things just don't happen. So similarly, at the governing level and at the social level in the sport of disc golf, it's a similar divide. You know, obviously leadership in disc golf is terrible and doing horrifying things, but then at the local course or at a local tournament or such, People are just super normal and they don't seem to be taking their cues from 
what the political leadership is doing. So it's a weird dichotomy, and I'm really doing my best to stay focused on just how things feel normal when I'm out and playing. That said, there are things I cannot do because of these horrible policies, and that does weigh on my mind. Um, as, a for example, as a for example, the first thing that happened, I think, after we talked in January, and this was happening right about the time uh, the episode was published in March, was there is a Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series event called the Kansas City Wide Open, hosted in Kansas City. And I've won this tournament twice in uh, 2020 and 2021, not so much in 2022, bad year. And uh, because this year, for the first time, it was going to be a Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series as opposed to just being an A-tier, which is just sort of a largish regional tournament. Because it was on the Disc Golf Pro Tour as a Silver Series, I was disallowed from competing in it in the women's division. However, the organizers also hosted a local qualifying tournament in which the winner of this local tourney would be granted an invitation into the, the Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series event though, at the White Open. So, of course, being a troublemaker, I played in this tournament and won it. And then I went to the Disc Golf Pro Tour and I said, okay, where's my invite? And, of course, they had no intention whatsoever of having me in the Kansas City Wide Open. So they did not. But the thing of it was, I went to the tournament director of the local tournament and said, hey, where's my invite? And they said, well, let's find out. And he went to the DGPT and had an exchange with them and then came back to me and reported on what the DGPT had said, which was like, no, nah, that's not a thing we're gonna do. But I did not have a direct contact with the DGPT. Um, and I suspect that I would not be able to get the time of day from them. So my next problem was that this tournament was also a sanctioned tournament from the PDGA so I went to the competition committee of the PDGA and I said, hey, a local tournament was billed as awarding this prize. The prize is if you win the tournament, you get an entry into this other tournament. I was not given the prize. This needs addressing. So the competition committee of the PDGA um, went to the DGPT and the accounts I get from emails um, and we stayed in, in touch, was that the DGPT just wasn't talking to them about it. And I found that very intriguing. Um, so the only thing that came of that, there was no justice for me in this case, but the competition committee did rather helpfully, I think, suggest that they were going to come up with guidelines in the future for this sort of thing, not to cause more justice for trans players, but simply to make sure that tournament directors were much more careful how they build the prizes in their tournaments. Like, as if to say, you can't advertise a prize and then not give it, or just be more careful in who you invite to your tournaments in the first one. I don't know, it was, it's, it didn't go the way I wanted to, but the whole thing I think was really done just to prove a point and sort of to rub their faces in it. And to a modest degree, you know, going through the whole dreary exercise, knowing what the outcome would be ahead of time, might seem like I'm deliberately banging my head against the wall, but the whole point of doing it is to document that it happened and show it for the observers 
because there are a, there are a number of people of goodwill who may be slightly thick who would say things like, well, they wouldn't really do something like that to you until I go out and demonstrate it. And then they say, oh, ha, it turns out they did do that to you. How about that? Some people deal better with concrete things that actually happened as opposed to hypotheticals of, I know this is going to happen, but let's go ahead and go through the whole dreary exercise anyway, just to show you that it's a real thing. That's the first thing that happened this season after we spoke. Oh, was that a good That is an exhausting <laughs> exercise to have to go through just to, to, to prove prove a sort of point. And I, I know that something that we had, we had talked about when we last spoke was this feeling that you described of being quite alone in having to, to fight this fight. And, oh, for sure. and in, you know, in this sort of sport where you're sort of, you know, it's your, just yourself on your team sort of thing. Um, you're, fighting, you know, you're advocating for you yourself and, and your performance. Right. I'm curious if, because you went through this effort to sort of document this process, I know that you had discussed it a little bit on social media. I'm curious if you felt like you got any sort of engagement or um, support from either your close community or maybe a more distant one on social media after these events happened. Did anyone respond to this? Uh, was it really just you sort of talking through the TD to the Disc Golf Pro Tour and that was really it? Yeah, it actually was just that much of a letdown. The feeling of uh, lonesomeness or being alone in it definitely persisted throughout the whole dreary exercise. It wasn't more widely reported upon. It didn't get any traction anywhere. I mean, everybody has a small circle of their closest social media followers and friends who you can count on you know, to react positively to such things and to be encouraging. But there was no broader reporting, no broader groundswell. Uh, nothing, nothing dramatic happened. It was a uh, very... Yeah, yeah, just uh, just sort of fell to the floor with a wet plop. I know, very upsetting. Don't worry, we're uh, we're only a few minutes in, and I'm going to continue to be discouraging for the whole hour. No, we we appreciate it, but I'm sorry that that happened. And even to hear that, really, the only response was, "How can we protect the TDs?" is incredibly disheartening. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think it was how to protect the TDs so much as, I mean, that is definitely, I don't think that's an inaccurate way to, to look at it, that's for sure. I think it was more how to prevent this sort of ambiguous situation from happening again. Mm -hmm. And that can also protect the players. In this example, if the, uh, the hosts of a qualifying tournament make it plain up front that these are the the criteria one would need to actually receive the invitation, then of course a player knows in advance what they're setting themselves up for. This is at the earlier in the season there had been another disc golf pro tour event in another city that also had a local qualifying event. And the local qualifying event for that tournament had been careful in its registration form to spell out that 
the winner would receive an invitation into you know the main event if they were otherwise eligible to participate and everybody knows what that means when they read it this tournament uh where i was at near kansas city did not have that language which is why i said i'm going to enter it because they did not cross their t they did not dot their i they did not make this very important distinction on the registration form so i'm going to try to prove a point here and so i think what the uh the pdga's uh competition committee has done is they've looked at this and said we just need to make sure that tournament directors put this verbiage on every such qualifying tournament just so that the players are aware of what they're getting into and i obviously went into this with my eyes wide open intending to cause a scene i aimed to misbehave and i think what they're hoping is some more naive player does not get set up for failure by surprise in the future so i don't want to make it sound like the the pdga is solely looking out for their tournament directors i think they were more addressing a previously unnoticed weakness and hmm. trying to patch that out and honestly i'm a little bit okay with that because in my life i have never considered my tenure with any organization to be complete until they've had to add a rule to the rule book on account of me um whether it's the the sports rule book or the employee handbook there if there's not a name if there's not a rule with my name on it i'm not happy my i'm not done there yet <laughs> so maybe to shift mm-hmm. the lens to what's happening nationally um in disc golf in more recent news from this summer back in i believe it was july mm-hmm. in mid july the disc golf pro tour made an announcement that they were going to cancel five events that is correct two two mixed events which for folks listening mixed is basically men's there are no women really competing in the mixed division so two mixed events that got canceled and then three fpo female division events that were canceled slash it seems like the verbiage was set to be rescheduled right Um, i think there's also prior to this was Nat, the Natalie Ryan piece when yes. she was, yes. and I, my understanding is that sort of spurred the cancellation of these yes. events. Yeah, absolutely. For people that haven't heard any of this or pieces of this, maybe you can sort of give a brief overview of like... Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was prepared for this. So first things first, <laughs> you know, January 1st, 2023, <clears throat> the rule for the Disc Golf Pro Tour is basically no trans women in the women's divisions. And mm-hmm. there are some jurisdictions in the United States where that doesn't fly that runs counter to state anti-discrimination laws which protect transgender women and there's a couple of different angles one angle is simply just the law can prohibit discrimination against transgender people in general and another one was it can prohibit discrimination in employment for transgender people because mm. a full-time touring professional disc golf player that's her job i am not i am more of a regional pro. I don't live out of a van and travel from tournament to tournament. But Natalie Ryan, professional touring pro, so she was essentially put off her job by this, which causes it to run afoul of these state laws, whether it's a matter of employment or just the broader don't discriminate against transgender people. So, in those jurisdictions where she had a good legal basis for her case, 
she got representation and made her case. First in California, which strong transgender protections for what's called the OTB Open in uh, Stockton, California, and played one round of the tournament per the court order before the court was reversed on appeal for, I think, a procedural reason. So after playing one round of the tournament, she was then done and did not finish. And that is her official result. DNF did not finish. And then later on, the tour went to what is called the Preserve Championship in Minnesota. And Minnesota, although it is out here in the middle of the country, is a sort of a transgender haven, strong transgender anti-discrimination laws, even some of the new for this year safe haven laws, which have been drafted as sort of a response to the horrible things which are happening elsewhere in the middle of the country. And again, that lawsuit in a friendly jurisdiction was successful and she did compete at the preserve. At this point, the Disc Golf Pro Tour had, by their statements, spent well in excess of six figures in these losing legal battles. Yeah, I mean, it was a half loss in California. And to be fair, that suit is still ongoing. The matter of whether or not she can play in the tournament, that was last minute legal wrangling in the week before the tournament, the days leading up to it. But the larger issue of has she been harmed by this and are there damages, that's still ongoing and that'll be handled later. Mm. But, you know, I mean, once, the once the tournament's over, the damage is done and that bell can't be unrung. But right. nevertheless, the litigation goes on. And then, you know, after they got soundly defeated in court in Minnesota and it spent six figures to accomplish not a lot, really, the Disc Golf Pro Tour realized that their tour had events coming up in these five jurisdictions where they were going to get their butts handed to them again and again and again. Mm. They said, well, you know what? Why don't we just not do that? Now, I've been saying since the start, have you considered just not doing bigotry? I've got this crazy radical idea, which is maybe don't do bigotry, because although I up until December 31st of 2022, they had been very successfully not doing bigotry, and it had been working out very well for them. And then on January 1st, 2023, I suppose they chose violence. I mean, bigotry, they chose bigotry. And it's been nothing but horrible. Terrible things have been happening to them as a result ever since. So my question is, have you considered just not doing bigotry? But instead of that, what I think is a very reasonable suggestion, what they did was they said, we've got these of our remaining schedule of about a dozen tournaments, five of them are in jurisdictions where we, the DGPT, are definitely going to get our butts handed to us in court. And to stop the hemorrhaging of money, they were like, instead of just not doing bigotry, they said, well, let's just not do these tournaments where we're going to, where we're going to lose. Okay, wait, can I pause you for a Please second? Please do. Because first, they're like, okay, let's spend six figures to fight this one player participating in this tournament. Sure. And under the guise of, in, in the biggest quotes, <laughs> protecting women, or, just so everyone who can't see me oh, yeah, yeah. hears, like, yeah. Um, Similarly, competitive fairness, which yeah. is actually the verbiage they have used themselves most recently. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's fun. So they dump in six figures yep. to losing yep. for no good reason except to, like you said, discriminate against people. And then they're like, okay, well, that didn't work. So instead, let's just cancel this whole division. Right. And the beauty of it is this time, the reaction 
was fairly unanimous amongst the disc golf community, even among, again, scare quote, enlightened centrists. You know, the sort of people who are like, you know, I'm all in favor of transgender people living their lives in any way and seeking happiness, but not in women's sports. They came down off the fence on this one and said, wait a minute, the DGPT held FPO, the women's divisions, the DGPT basically was holding FPO hostage, and then they shot the hostage. Good job. Well played. Yeah. And and everybody, literally everybody saw through this. The response on the internet, locally, socially, no one was saying, how could Natalie Ryan do this to disc golf? Everyone was saying, how could the DGPT do this? It was an ill-advised move, which mm-hmm. is almost impossible to explain in rational terms. Because it's not rational. <laughs> right. I was just going to leave that hanging. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> no, actually, no, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to put the basketball up by the rim there for you. And <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and Love a good assist. I live for the assist. Where was I? So, yeah, that, and that did not last long. And the other thing was, this was pushed out one week in advance of the first tournament to be, quote, unquote, postponed mm-hmm. or canceled. And they were saying... Well, what we're doing is we're looking at alternate venues so that the women can play across the nearest state border in a different jurisdiction. And the, wow. the next tournament to come up is what's called the Ledgestone Open. And this was scheduled for just one week after this announcement. And it's in Peoria, Illinois. And Illinois is a jurisdiction where they anticipated that they would lose a court case. So, of course, this is one of the five tournaments that is to be postponed or canceled. But... All of this went away just within days because the backlash from this was so strong because I don't think this was a planned move. I really don't. I don't think the DGPT had a sort of a four-dimensional chess master plan for the next step. I think they got pushed into it, which was the backlash from this announcement of the five canceled tournaments or five postponed or changed tournaments was so strong that the next thing they did was they drafted up what's called the United Series. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you're familiar with that, but I'm going to outline it. Not familiar, but okay. have read about it okay. and wanted and to we ask need explanation. You. Okay. Yes. Clarification <laughs> okay. as okay. the difference between sure. why create a whole United Series as opposed to simply sure. reinstating yeah. the events. Okay. Well, it's funny. They, they did reinstate the events, but these five events, which are to take place in jurisdictions which have strong anti discrimination laws, are reinstated. But these five tournaments that are held in these five jurisdictions are now comprise the entirety of the United Series. And (laughs) the United Series are open to transgender players in the women's divisions because they have no choice, because they're tired of hemorrhaging money in court. The, The points which are earned from placing in these tournaments will go towards a United Series payout at the end for like the top three finishers in these five tournaments. The, the points which are earned in them also count towards the disc golf championship at the end of the season. However, this still leaves all of the tournaments which are held in jurisdictions which are anti-trans, where transgender women cannot compete and cannot earn points. Those are still there. But the most grotesque thing about the United Series was a mere week after posting the announcement of the five canceled tournaments or five postponed tournaments, and in that statement, uh, DGPT, um, I think he was like their main tournament director, Jeff Spring, had stated that they were canceling these tournaments to protect competitive fairness. He went full mask off and said this thing. A week later, 
the announcement of the United series was the most smug, self-congratulatory, fake ally thing a person has ever read. First off, no trans people were involved in the creation of the United series. It was about us, but it was without us. As far as I know, the only trans involvement was one of the top pros in the women's game was sent as a sort of errand girl to talk to Natalie Ryan and try and bring her on board for this. And I wasn't privy to that conversation, but from what I understand, the conversation did not go well. Because when somebody comes to a minority and they've got this great idea that's about you without you, won't you please sign on? The answer is generally, no, you know, this is ridiculous. It's about us and it, there's been no involvement for us. But this, uh, this announcement, it was grotesquely naked in its self-congratulatory tone. It's like the DGPT was saying, we are embracing diversity and celebrating trans players. A week after the exact same spokesperson saying that they were protecting competitive fairness. It's like you can't have the same voice say one thing one week and then say the exact opposite the next week without a, without it being a stunning display of hypocrisy. And that there's no other word for it than grotesque, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of it that is messed up. And I think the what you've highlighted around the communication of one week saying this and then the next week flipping and trying to be the best allies, like you said, grotesque. Yeah. And I'm curious what, what kind of support. Mm -hmm. So obviously everyone, when they canceled the FPO divisions was like, this isn't the right, right. But then they create this United series. What sort of reactions did that get from the cis women on tour? Where was everyone in support of this new series? Like, do people feel like, Oh great, this solved it. Or are other people still upset about it? Well, the players who potentially were going to lose five opportunities to play and earn their living, who now had those opportunities reinstated, they were relieved. But I don't think that they were correctly holding the, the right party's feet to the fire or to account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because their five tournaments were nearly taken away by the DGPT. And then when the DGPT created a solution to the problem that they had caused and took the credit for the solution, nobody was holding them to account for it. Yeah. I, I want to be very careful here. I don't want to make it sound like I'm disparaging people for being selfish. Yeah. And it sounds like sort of they solved the, the problem that they created right. for cis women. Right. And so then were cis women like, okay, great, my problem is solved. Or were they, was anyone continuing to speak up for trans women and how that there's still discrimination going well, on? Sure. There? Obviously, there are a very, very tiny number of cis women in FPO at the touring level who are strong advocates for transgender women. Mm -hmm. However, in the wake of the threatened cancellation of these five tournaments and then the reinstatement of the tournaments as the United series, I did not see any of them take the opportunity to call this out. And I had one really frustrating exchange with one ally on social media who called the reinstatement of the tournaments an unalloyed good and did not address the elephant in the room is that the tournaments are being reinstated by the same party who is threatening to cancel them. And th there was a strong... Uh, Strong agree to disagree sentiment. So, mm -hmm. and again, I'm not going to I'm not going to name names because I've got so few allies. I really don't want to scratch one more off right now today. But it was it was not great. Present company accepted. I am. Um, 
I'm mistrustful of cis people. When it really comes down to it, I have been burned again and again and again. That is going to get me canceled. <laughs> not not from us, not from us. No, no, no. not from you. But I mean, population wise, I think cisgender people are, depending on which estimate you look at, between 99 and 99 and a half percent of the human race. So me mm-hmm. saying, I can't really mm-hmm. trust this people to have my back all the time. Oh boy, that's that's going out there. Yeah. And this is something, so we recently had a conversation with a, a trans athlete mm-hmm. who plays Ultimates. In our conversation with her, she brought up the really real point that what you're describing here is that cis women and people in general are not going to be exempt from this sort of discrimination, right? Like we're already looking very plainly that the DGPT was willing to kill an entire division for women in the name of protecting women. Yep. So to really just underline quite plainly, mm-hmm. just because you're getting your five events back right. is not a protection in the future and is not a protection for yourself or your gender, even if you're cis, in how this discrimination is going to attack who it feels is necessary to in order to justify bigotry. Well, and that's an excellent point. And I think what it does is it illuminates the hypocrisy because one, an unfortunate trope in trans spaces is that nobody really cares about these sorts of things until they start hurting cis people. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, Nobody cares about bathroom bills until butch presenting cis people start getting the hell beat out of them in the bathroom. And suddenly, you know, it's like, you know, transgender woman gets harassed, no big deal. Butch looking cis woman gets harassed in the bathroom. It's on TMZ. It's on the news. It's on Twitter. Everyone's talking about it. It happened to a cis woman. Suddenly everyone cares. Mm -hmm. Transgender women get kicked off the disc golf pro tour. Nobody much cares. And then as a result of all of this, Five tournaments for all women, cis women included, because it's all cis except for one. Suddenly five tournaments are potentially canceled. Everyone cares. No one cares about trans issues until it starts hurting cis people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this sort of thing, honestly, is why I'm mistrustful of cis people. And Mm -hmm. when somebody says they're an ally, I kind of have to feel them out and see how far they're really ready to take it. Because a principle is a good thing to have, but if a principle doesn't inform actions, then it's useless. And if a principle only comes into play when it's going to hurt themselves, then that's just selfishness. One of the things we talked about towards the end of our last conversation Mm -hmm. was action items, like how to be an ally. And I think think you just hit the nail on the head of what it means to actually be an ally and you have have to care when other people have skin in the game not just yourself yep Mm -hmm. yep so i'm trying to think of a basketball reference but (laughs) (laughs) you ran the play before i even drew it up i don't know (laughs) that'll work uh truth truthfully that layup thing exhausted my basketball knowledge (laughs) (laughs) mine too clearly I've, I've, I've gone ahead and in a new t- in a browser tab, I've opened up the two statements from the DGPT that were released back to back 11 days mm-hmm. apart on the 14th of July, which is that's the day that basically five tournaments were put on hold. And, you know, Jeff Spring, you know, I'm going to directly quote writes, competitive fairness is the underpinning of the disc golf pro tour, the professional disc golf industry and all of elite competitive sport worldwide. The DGPT is committed to the future of the FPO division 
in, and in order to protect competitive fairness for the division, these changes are necessary at this time. We will not waver on the PDGA gender eligibility policy as we have adopted it for the FPO division, end quote, said Jeff Spring, DGPT CEO and tour director. And then 11 days later, when they launched the United Series, the statement begins so optimistically. Coming together, Disc Golf Pro Tour launches United Series, full restoration of FPO events, Players unite to move forward. July 25th, 2023, the Disc Golf Pro Tour DGPT is pleased to announce an opportunity for the disc golf community to come together and chart a new path forward with the creation of the DGPT United Series. And then it goes on a little bit about how it's going to work. But then we get to the interesting quote, which is, I'm going to start a direct quote now. And it's a quote in the document. We're happy to deliver a solution that's supported by the DGPT tour card players on both ends of the issue. Gender eligibility is a topic that transcends the sport of disc golf and is destined to be adjudicated in larger sports and bigger courts. Said Jeff Spring, DGPT CEO and tour director. So in a span of 11 days, he went from quoting protecting competitive fairness, which is a turf talking point, make no mistake, to happy to deliver a solution it's the the two-facedness of it is rather upsetting in my opinion mm -hmm. this same mm -hmm. announcement then wraps up with a paragraph the dgpt is in support of the decisions made by all members of this golf community to live their life in the most authentic way possible and celebrates the courage necessary to make these decisions celebrates additionally the tour maintains committed to creating a safe and harassment-free environment, both on-site and online for all competitors in accordance with the DGPT community guidelines. Wow. How can you put a paragraph like that? How can you have a policy that, that prohibits transgender people from playing, except in the jurisdictions where you know you're going to be beaten by the courts, and then say you celebrate transgender people? Jeez. And you know who's calling them out on it? Trans people. I don't hear cis voices in this, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Especially reading that last paragraph, it is, it's just so disingenuous. Exactly. The, and it's right, the whole thing. it's right there on the announcements tab on the DGPT's website for anybody to read mm -hmm. at their leisure. And yet every time I read it to somebody, they're shocked. I do not understand why this level of hypocrisy can't get traction. And the only conclusion I can come to is that as long as it's not affecting cis people, cis people don't care. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling to find an alternative and I want to find an alternative. I want there to be some much more benign reason for that to be true because the alternative is really bleak and mm -hmm. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I, know, I know as much as I talk about it, it must seem like I want it. No, I don't want that to be true. If somebody can help me prove that not to be true, I would be delighted. I don't know everything and I don't know what's in the hearts of all people. So I call mm -hmm. out to all people to, to show me that that's not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the current state of disc golf, sure, as it sort of is in this at this point in when we're talking sort of towards the end of August, right? Is that these five events have been reinstated with this additional United Series designation, and my understanding is that right now this is just intended for the end of 2023. 
the United Series has not been implemented, designed, planned, whatever, to extend beyond 2024. So Mm -hmm. whether that means in 2024, this whole process has to happen all over again, where trans people are going to be excluded Mm -hmm. from pro tour events, new, I don't know what you'll call it next, United Federation or something (laughs) has got to be introduced. But the, the point is, is that it's quite clear that the United Series has not been designed or thought about beyond a slapped on band-aid for folks in general were upset that the FBO mm-hmm. FBO events were canceled. So yeah. is there any discussion happening? What will happen in 2024? That's an excellent question. And I think you're absolutely correct. If all of this feels like it's ad hoc, it's because it clearly is. And Throughout all of this, uh, both uh, the DGPT and the PDGA have demonstrated that they don't seem to have the ability to look at their policies and look at the state of things in the legal field of play and sort of mentally wind the clock forward and predict what's going to happen and then say, maybe we should do something Mm -hmm. different. It seems like they lack the imagination to plan. It seems like they Mm -hmm. only react and that's, that's not good. That's not sustainable in the long term. And you're right that there does not appear to be a concrete plan on the table for the 2024 season. So is there something going to change in 2024? Well, clearly this, this is not sustainable. So something's going to have to change. Mm-hmm. But the DGPT and the, and the PDGA are showing no outward signs of anything that indicates that they've taken any steps to get in front of this in any way. Everyone is left. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's outside of that inner innermost circle is on the outside looking in and wondering what's going on in, inside these closed black boxes. And other things have happened this year that lead me not to be optimistic about either organization changing and becoming proactive. And I'd like to touch on that briefly. In the month of July, the PDGA had its annual election for two positions of the seven members of the board of directors. Now the board of directors are the ones who sort of started all this nonsense in mid-December of 2022 when they voted to to enact the new gender policy. And that vote went four to three, four, four, three against. And of those four who voted for the new policy, two of them were on the bubble in this most recent board election, which ran through the month of July which means that potentially, you know, if other candidates were elected, you know, that that can change the composition of the board, perhaps to one which mm-hmm. is more favorable. There were six candidates, the two incumbents, and of the four new candidates, three were not just anti-trans, but they, they didn't think the ban went far enough. They were even farther to the right. And then one candidate was non-committal. So the composition of the board... Mm through this very dramatic election period, is essentially unchanged. Now, I understand the PDGA will be meeting soon to select who will be the new president of the board, but given the composition of the board, I don't see the votes for a potential change in the policy being there to reverse it or ameliorate it in any way. And also Mm -hmm. with no new blood on the PDGA board, that means there's no new perspective, no perhaps... You know, maybe there are three people on the board who have the ability to look forward in time and see how things are going to play out and four who lack imagination. And maybe we could have, you know, flipped one of those seats to someone who has imagination. And suddenly you've got four proactive people and three reactive people 
and policies could change. But with the composition of the board remaining exactly the same, I feel like that means the proactive or reactiveness of the board is also going to remain at the same value, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, we may as well just, the theme of this episode is pessimism, I'm afraid, because that makes me pessimistic about the ability of the board, of the PDGA, to proactively look at the situation, see how it's going to play out next year, and make some sort of change to stop that train from wrecking. So, no, uh, leadership of the DGPT and the PDGA operate in sort of a black box environment where we send them inputs, but then what we get is seemingly just what they were going to do anyway. And they seem to be reacting, not proacting. So in terms of 2024, it's anybody's guess at this point, but I think the most likely guesses are going to be all of the dystopian ones. It's difficult to contemplate, but nevertheless, here we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we are just contemplating it. You are living through it and Mm -hmm. advocating and going to the tournament to prove that there are... The system is broken in multiple different ways on multiple different levels. And so yeah, yeah. you are definitely not the one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I forget that not everybody is like living this 24-7. And by the way, try not to live this 24-7. It's stressful. Sometimes I forget that not everybody is immersed in this 24-7. So I'll just matter-of-factly just rattle off a story of what's going on. And then I forget, oh, wait, this is actually terrible and shocking. And then, so I mean... I, I get it. I'm trans, and for trans people, betrayal or disappointment in larger organizations is sort of a routine matter. You know, every trans person is going to tell you a story of how the legal system was bad to them or how they thought their, their general practitioning doctor was okay, and then the doctor said something horrible and they were betrayed, or, you know, some relative has discarded them, like used up trash. And, you know, so betrayal is sort of our, our companion 24-7. So then I go and I tell one of these stories of betrayal and I forget not everybody lives in that environment (laughs) and that it's actually somewhat shocking and a little bit of a bummer. So, you know, the day the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the PDGA broke your heart or shocked you might be like the worst thing that's happened to you all month. But, you know, for trans people, it's Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a very important takeaway for anyone listening to this episode that betrayal is sort of just waiting unless you're willing to start having these conversations start making change happen absolutely or or someone who is is living a different experience than you right again so appreciative of you nova for coming here and and talking to tulsa and i about what your experience is because you're right like tulsa and i don't live this same experience i have to imagine that a lot of ultimate players don't live the same experience but it's right around the corner for us should we remain silent and sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. and watch our teammates, siblings, whomever, go through what it is that you're describing happens to trans people on a regular basis. Oh, when, when y'all reached out to me for this follow-up uh, session, I was absolutely delighted. I would have physically run to where you are to have this conversation because... Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, the, mo- the two most powerful things you can do for a trans person is one, listen to them. And then two, when they're done, you say, I believe you. That's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. You just got you to listen. And then you got to say, oh, I believe you. Because the most galling thing is for someone to ask a trans person for their experience and then say, but what about, but how about, but why not? But what about, you know, it's like, no, don't mm-hmm. do that. Just believe us. And I'm mm-hmm. delighted to be here. Uh, 
uh, was in Tulsa because you, 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 you believe me and that's great. And if you want to be a good ally to a trans person out there in the audience, uh, when they're telling you how it is, believe them because mm-hmm. trust me, I don't, I don't want the world to be like this. And I would definitely not make this up. This is really actually kind of crummy. Yeah. So if I'm telling you about it, it's not for some kind of weird attention. No, nah, I'm just telling it like it is. And all you got to do is believe me. Mm-hmm. And y'all believe me? Thank you. Thank you very much. Always, Nova. Truly. <laughs> it should not be so hard for people to believe you. It just it really should not. Nova, thank you so much for coming on the show. It. I know you, you sort of just gave a very kind words for Tulsa and I, but really we are so grateful for you to come talk to us, take the time to explain a lot of this and work through a lot of these really shitty feelings and experiences. We are really, really grateful. And so to have your experience of a very closely related sport, and quite honestly, just the fact that it's a sport and in our society in general is so valuable for the people that, yeah, maybe aren't experiencing it 24-7 to hear. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. And I, I know it's a cliche, but I mean it when I say literally anytime. Well, now with, you know, so much up in the air, we'll certainly <laughs> have to have you back once the, the Pro Tour makes a decision on something regarding 2024. Yeah, we'll schedule that for probably the 2nd of January 2024 because <laughs> reactive, not proactive. Well. Thank you again, Nova. Thank you so much for coming, talking everything through with us and bringing humor and somehow honesty and yeah, yeah. much appreciated. Well, what is it? What is it? They say a little, a little bit of honey helps the medicine go down. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. If you like the podcast and want to support us, here are a few things that you can do. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at share the air podcast and on Twitter at share the air pod. You can also rate and review us, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. And if you want to show more support or you just can't get enough of Share the Air, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com sharetheair. If you're interested in repping some Share the Air gear, check out our VC Ultimate store at vcultimate.com. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at team at sharetheairpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. Share the Air is recorded and edited by Tulsa Douglas and Louisa Nevis. It is planned and produced by Tulsa Douglas, Louisa Nevis, and Tim Bobrowski. Share the Air's music is by Gray Devlin and Christopher Hernandez. Finally, thanks again to our sponsors, Nutsy, BC Ultimate, and the Center for Applied Neuroscience.